0: All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this great opportunity we have to come before you and to worship you. We ask you to be with us. We thank you for the joy of worshiping you. We thank you for just the honor of worshiping you. And, Lord, we ask you to be with us as we open the word and look to your word for what it, we would have us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will therefore that men everywhere lifting up holy hands uh, that men pray everywhere forgot the most important word in that sentence lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting well I look at this because you know this is something that Paul is encouraging people and it is all really about worship Alright, Paul is getting into some worship, you know, and I know that we're a Baptist church, we have trouble with the things that we read here, lifting up holy hands and and clapping hands and all that stuff, you know, but I really want to encourage us, let's enjoy God. Let's really enjoy God. It has to be done decently, in order, I mean, I don't want, you know, nine different beats on the clap and people (coughs) jumping up and all that, you know, yelling and hollering and all that, but you know, do we enjoy God? You know. I have been in churches where I think if I saw them smile, you would think their faces were going to break. That's not true here for the most part, but you know, we're desiring to come before God, enjoying God, enjoying his word, enjoying singing. Paul here says, I would that that all men pray everywhere. One thing about us in our day especially, and even all generations have bewailed this, but prayer. Going before God's presence in prayer. We're to pray without cease, and that doesn't mean that we spend, the moment we get up, we get on our knees and kneel at our bed and we spend all day there praying. Okay, that is not what he means by prayer, but you know, we need to be in an attitude of prayer. Being able to present to God our needs, when we get ready to speak, we give this little quick prayer, God, help me say the right things to the, in this situation. You know, usually we think, maybe you think about prayer after we've messed up the situation. We've exploded at somebody, we've let our temper fly, we've, we've uh, uh, said the wrong things, and then we go, "Well, God, what should I have said? <laughs> right. Okay, or the famous sentence that every one of us have either said or heard, I have tried everything else, maybe I should pray. Okay, and I'm guilty of it. I'm as guilty as if there's anybody else. You know, doing everything I think is right before I decide to pray. But you know, we need to get into this attitude of prayer. The first mention of prayer is in Genesis 4:26, and Seth is born, and it says, "Then people started calling on the name of the Lord." You know, that was pretty far into the generations after the Adam and Eve were cre- created. Now, we only get the names of three of Adam and Eve's children, Cain, Abel, and Seth. Okay, I'm going to give you a secret. It says later on in the scriptures, they had many sons and daughters. Otherwise, none of us would have been here. If you know anything about biology whatsoever, you would know that if all they had were three boys, there would never have been any other children. Okay, uh, you know, pretty simple, pretty simple biological fact. They had to have other children. Okay. Cain, after he kills his brother, says that people everywhere are going to want to kill me. And he leaves with his wife. And a lot of people ask, well, where did he get his wife? Well, I'm going to tell you a secret. He married his sister. <laughs> you know, as bad as that sounds, he married his sister. Otherwise, he had nobody else to marry. Cain and Abel both had married sisters. They were older people by that time they were not young teenagers like we picture them in all the pictures and you might told in sunday school they were probably 20 30 40 years old had families there were a lot of families a lot of people you know we look at the scriptures and i think i've shared with you when i was doing the the genesis study by the time of the flood there were probably billions of people on this world 1500 years to the flood with people having babies, (laughs) with death not as bad as it is today. Okay, there were a lot of people when the flood happened. At least a million, if you want to go really conservative numbers. There were a lot of people. Even when Cain kills his brother, there was a lot of people. Seth came after that. And it says then the people started calling on the name of the Lord. Took them a little while to realize they needed God, didn't it? You know, but you know how, how often do we do that you know we go through a lot of our life without realizing the importance of prayer the need of prayer and we do many of our decisions in our life without turning to God and I don't know about you but you know how many foolish decisions have I made in my lifetime because I didn't turn to God more than I'd like to count our goal is to try to get us to where we will call on God quicker make decisions that are based on him repent forgive one another love one another bad feelings can really harm us on these things what are some of the conditions for prayer that we want to look at first john chapter 3 verse 22 and you all don't have to try to follow me write these down because I'm going to I've marked them so we can get through them quickly as you can see I've got a few verses marked <laughs> first john 322 and whatsoever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. First, pre-request, prerequisite, we'll get the word out yet, for getting your prayers answered, start obeying God. Okay, God is under no obligation to answer our prayers if we're not obeying him, okay? And you want an example of this, as a parent, how likely are you want to want to give your children anything when they're not listening to anything you say? Hopefully, you're still giving them roof over their heads and fruit on their food on the table. But you know, any of the extra blessings beyond, you, know, you don't really want to give your kids the new bike when they're not listening and not obeying. You don't really want to give them any, you know, thing above what they need when they're not listening. God's the same. Okay, He is a parent. Okay, doesn't mean He won't. Just as we will sometimes give our kids things that they don't deserve, God oftentimes gives us things we don't deserve, which is all the time because we deserve nothing from him. But he gives us things. But the prerequisite for our prayers to be heard is keep his commandments. Do what he asks us to do. Now, this is some of the things. I just want to look at prayer for just a few minutes on this stuff. In the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe and you shall receive them and you shall have them. We need to believe. Okay? This is not name and, and claim it that if just because I believe that God's obligated to give me to him. But if I say something along the lines, God, maybe if possible, you might think about maybe doing something for me. That's not a prayer of belief. God, I want you to do this. You can do this for me. Does that mean he's going to answer every single prayer we make? No. And you know what? Some of the prayers we make we think are really good prayers and that we really need them, and God says no because he knows we don't need them. Okay, again, we come to being a parent. How many times did you tell your kids no to something and they're going, you just don't want me to have any fun? And you're going, no, I know that where that fun leads to is someplace I don't want you to go, and a kid doesn't believe it. (laughs) And as I told the kids, I was with the kids today, and I told them, you know, we, we adults are not different than they are. We just have different problems. <laughs> we don't like to hear God tell us no any more than the kids like to have their parents tell them no. We don't like God to not give us things any more than we did when we were a kid, because we never really truly grow up. We just have different problems, <laughs> different, different desires. But you know, God says, pray believing. God, this is something I really believe is important for me, and God will say yes or no, or he might say wait. But he knows when he says no that it's for a reason. And we have to be ready to accept no is a valid reason sometimes, even if we don't see the reason. There, there's a Christian song I remember, and even, even a country song. There's also a country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, and it's a really good song in, in one sense, even though it's a little... <laughs> you know, a little off the edge a little bit, be saying, you know, hey, this had been answered, it was a prayer I asked, and if it had been answered, this is what I would have had, and I'm glad I didn't get it. If you live long enough, you will probably live long enough to realize, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. Thank you for not doing this for me. But we want to keep in mind, believe is important for prayer, okay? Not because God's a genie in the lamp, God, I, I, I wish for, I pray for, no that is not what he is but if there's something you really need in your life pray asking God to do give it to you you know uh, we've talked about this George Mueller one morning came up and he's the kids are out there and if you don't remember him he ran orphanages in England and he came to the kitchen and and they go there's no food for breakfast so George goes no problem he goes out and he starts praying God thank you for the breakfast that the kids are about to eat all right. Why? The kids needed to eat. <laughs> what did God do? Provided breakfast for them. We're not going to go into that whole story because we've shared this story, you know, knock on the door and somebody's bringing them bread. Somebody's bringing them milk, you know, and the kids have milk and bread for breakfast. You know, the, these guys that are out there as servants. you know, the people that are taking care of the kids are probably, George, you didn't understand what we'd said. <laughs> there is no breakfast. How can you be thanking God for the breakfast? But George understood that God would give them their needs. And he was praying with the need in mind. So pray believing. Because if George had not believed, he wouldn't have gone out there and probably wouldn't have seen the the gifts of the breakfast. But he's been a great example to all those who, for many years since then, (laughs) for a century since then. Ask God for what you need with belief and confidence that God's going to answer. And this is what Paul is saying. Pray. Go before God. In Jeremiah... chapter 29 verse 13 and you shall seek me and find me and you shall search for me with all your heart God wants us to search for him now sometimes God makes things difficult for us in our relationship with us because he wants to say are you trusting me are you going to trust me in the Gospels Jesus said if you that you were to seek ask and we will find okay why does he make things difficult? Because he's wanting to say, are you going to lean on your own understanding, your own strength? And the sad thing is, usually we lean on our own understanding, our own strength. God, I didn't get answered five minutes before I asked this prayer, so you must not going to be answered. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. And you know when I say that, you know, we, we laugh, and but you know how many of us have done just that kind of prayer? God, I'm saying this, and you didn't answer me Yet. <laughs> I haven't even finished praying, but you haven't answered yet. We tend to be very impatient people. God says, I've got a plan. I want you to learn to know that it is me. One thing I have learned over the years is God answers things on time. (laughs) On his time, not my time. If I'm praying about a bill that needed to be paid before I got the job in prison, or many times when I was going, God, this bill needs to be paid, (laughs) I wanted the money a week before the bill was due. (laughs) Okay, said I could use the money and say, okay, I got the money. This this bill is going to be paid. Usually God gave me the money the night before the bill was due or even that morning. God answers his prayers on his schedule because he wants us to learn patience and faith in him. Because what would happen if God gave you everything you needed long before you needed it, you'd be like most people. Oh, look how lucky I am. All these things keep coming in. You know my life is blessed I, I have nothing no problems in my life and God says no we're gonna make sure that you know that it's me who provided it for you so he said they, Jeremiah tells us to seek him and then the next verse I want to go over is very well known it's quoted all the time second Chronicles Oh, y'all I don't like my new Bible I love it because it's the same Bible I use but I can't find anything in it <laughs> the, the pages aren't cooperating 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 if my people which are called by name by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God has conditions for us: first, that we humble ourselves; we seek Him. You now, it is so wonderful that we are to turn from our ways, seek Him. God expects repentance. Now repentance is something we don't speak a lot about, we don't cover a lot, but repentance is to turn away from our sin and toward God. To do a U-turn is a simple way. I'm walking away from God and God says, I want you to repent and we have a choice. We can continue walking away from God, which is what we normally choose to do. Or we can go, God, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be going this way. And turn around and walk back to him. Part of getting our prayers answered is just that. To pray and turn around in repentance. How do we get saved? Part of salvation is repentance. God, I am sorry for all the sins that I have committed that I did not know were sins at the time. Forgive me. I want to stop doing it and turn back to God. Very important for all of these things as we look at this. The next thing that Paul talked about after this idea of repentance was with hands lifted up. And this is probably the part that we as Baptists have the hardest time with, raising our hands in prayer, raising our hands in worship. You know, the first thing I'm going to ask you, why do we want to worship in that way is because people who have raised hands have surrendered, okay? Hands up in the air is an international sign. <laughs> I surrender. I do not have weapons in my, in my possession. You can do it in anywhere, any nation, any civilization, any time period. I do not have anything. When we come to God and worship him with our hands raised, we're surrendering to him. It's symbolic, I know. I want to challenge you to try. (laughs) It will feel uncomfortable. If you have never raised your hands in a church, it will feel uncomfortable to raise your hands and worship God. But there's also a great freeing up on it. And it is scriptural to do, and we're gonna look at a couple of those scriptures as well. And I don't think I'm going to turn to all of them. Yes, I will. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to know they're here, and we want to read them. Psalm 28. Verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto you, when I lift my hands toward your holy oracle. God, I'm praying. This isn't back to prayer. God, I'm praying. Listen to me, I'm surrendered to you. you know, I don't necessarily raise my hands as often as I should when I pray. But you know, when you get in the Bible, you know, here in America we teach you, put your hands together and pray. Now it works really good with little kids. Usually what we're trying to tell them is quit, quit fidgeting, you know, keep your hands together and quit, quit playing around. But in the Bible it talks about raised hands. Empty hands to God consecration word is to be filled with my hands empty before God. Psalm 63, 4 says, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will lift up my hands and challenge you. You know, we just want to look at this. How does God want worship? He wants us to be given over to them, body and soul and heart and mind. You know, we're to worship God with all of our strength, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our emotion. You know, we oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this a lot, is, you know, talking about how bad emotions can be, and they are bad. They lead us to do all kinds of bad decisions, bad bad activities. And you know, the sad thing is most people are run by their emotions. If I feel really good about what's going on, I'll be nice to you. If I've had a really bad day, and how many people have, you know, well, just excuse me, I've had a really bad day. And you're going to c- catch the point of it because I've had a bad day. You know, my emotions are what are important is what they're saying. You know, my emotions are so important. You're going to pay for whatever my emotion might be. Whether it's good or bad, you're going to pay. And God says that all of our imagination. Remember the verse we, qu- we learned is to be under him. Why? Because we are to run by truth. God says something and we need to buy into his truth and not say, well, God, this is what I feel too much of what goes on in the name of Christianity is about feelings. You know, I feel saved. So today I must be saved today. I don't feel like I'm saved so I must not be saved anymore or I never was saved because I don't feel saved. That's not a, a valid place to be. God says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Call upon his name and believe, you shall be saved, no matter whether you feel like you're saved or not. feel God, I just don't want to be with all those people in church because I just don't feel good today. Well, God says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, come. We need each other. We need to get people to be around sometimes, around people who irritate us just so we can learn to grow. You know, and I know that that's hard to, you know, hard to hear because what do we do? God, I'm not going around anything that might make me feel bad. I am not going to remove the, the blackberry bushes. I know we don't have blackberry bushes around. How many people live with blackberry bushes, take over your entire yard? You know, I don't want to go out there and get those blackberry bushes because I'll end up being scratched. But if you don't go and take care of the blackberry bushes, they'll take over your whole yard and you won't have a yard to be in. And God is trying to tell us many times, you need one another. You know, the people that we want to avoid so carefully because they irritate us are probably the very people God wants us to be around so that we can be learning to love them, forgive them, care for them, be merciful to them, be more like God. Imagine what God would be like if God took that attitude with us. I don't have anything to do with all those people because all they do is sin and, and, and do bad things. So I don't want to be around any of them. Matter of fact, son, you don't even have to go down to save them because you know we're, we're not going to have anything to do with them. I am so glad that God doesn't take that attitude with us. He sent Jesus to die for us while we were his enemy. There was nothing in us that deserved Jesus coming down to this world to die for us. None of us. The best person you can think of in your entire existence of entire history did not deserve Jesus coming to die for them because they were a sinner. Oh, how important it is for us to, to look at that. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The sanctuary, the temple in, there, in, the, in that statement. He wanted them to raise their hands to him. Matter of fact, there's a whole offering called the heave offering, which was presented upward. And they presented it up with their hands up in the air with their offering. You know, God saying, this is my gift to you, God. That's the other thing when we raise our hands to God. God, I'm, I'm empty-handed, but here I am. I'm yours. I am yours, God. Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Oh, God has so much for us on this. And the last one I wanna just read on this is from the wonderful book of Lamentation. I don't know how many of you have read the book of Lamentation. Hopefully, if you've read through on our Bible schedule, you've done it. Um, Most of the time, we don't preach too often from Lamentation because it's a pretty sad, sorrowful book. Got great lessons in it. Chapter two, verse nine. 19. Arise, cry out in the night in the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up your hands toward him for the life of your young children that are faint and are hungry in the, at the top of every street. But when we have a request for God, again, the idea is to just come before him and worship before him. He wants to give us blessing. He wants to give us grace, but he also wants our surrender. He wants us to come before him. And then Paul goes on this next part of that, he wants us to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Wrath. You know, that can be something that is so much a problem in our our life as human beings. Anger. What do we get angry about? Anytime we don't get our way. (laughs) Pretty much works it out. If I don't get what I want in life, I get angry. Many people will say, I've got righteous anger. Most of the time, it's not righteous anger. Amen. You know, it can be. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's the only kind of anger that is good. If you're angry about something that's happening to somebody else, it could possibly be righteous. What's done most of the time is not righteous anger, though. You might have started out with the right attitude, but you end up going way off into, into places that shouldn't be covered. To be angry that something is happening to somebody is one thing, and to do something godly about it is of great value. Anger, you know, how easy for it is for us to do this. We live in a, we live in a me, me first generation, okay? Whatever I want is what's good, okay? And we've talked several times about this, you know. We, you're driving down the road, and your road moves from two lanes to one lane, and if you just took your time and merged Nicely, tra- the traffic would go full speed through that merge. But you've always got somebody that says, I need that extra 12 feet that my car is going to fit and you can't have it. I need the three, you know, the, the half a second to get ahead of you. I use that one because driving is, if you have driven me, you know, that I get very irritated with drivers. <laughs> I'm an impatient driver. Uh, but you know, it's not just driving. It is every part of our life. That we are living in a thing that me first I'm the only one that's important if I don't get my way everybody's gonna know it and they're gonna pay for it yeah you know, and we live in that kind of a generation right now it is not a godly thing Jesus said if you want to be first in the kingdom be the servant to all you want to be first be last you know, we see this all the time Go, we'll, we'll Try to get to a, to a game and and have the halftime hit. And everybody's rushing for the con- uh, concession stands and the bathrooms. You know they got to be first, gotta be, and there'll be fights. <laughs> there'll be all kinds of chaos because everybody has to have what's best, for them in their mind. But wrath, you know how easy Proverbs, eleven chapter twenty three, talks about the wrath of the wicked. Wrath produces evil. It always does. And again, we talk sometimes about righteous anger, but usually when we get righteously angry, we still end up doing the wrong things. Because we let our temper and our anger run and doesn't result in good things. It won't. Because it is foolishness to do things according to our way of thinking. And Paul's saying don't do it in wrath. Verse, uh, Proverbs 14:28 says, "To be slow to anger, to understand, and, be, and that wrath is slow to understand and quick to exalt itself." Hardest thing when somebody's mad is to try to get them to listen. <laughs> yeah, if you've been there, I've done it many times. You get angry at somebody, and you just don't want to listen to the excuse or reason why they why they did it. They may have had a legitimate reason for what they did, even. But I am just so angry, I'm just not going to listen to you you know you didn't have a really great reason if I just stopped and listened I go oh okay now I understand we need to be so careful about all of this wrath brings provocation and I think Paul is talking to Timothy because he knows that Timothy is going to be a pastor and he knows that the people in his church are going to get angry at one another and they're going to have all kinds of problems because they are attacking each other in their anger anger provokes when you get angry, you get angry at somebody else. And you know what that does, that provokes them to get angry back at you. And then neither one of you are listening, you're both saying things that you wish you probably never had said. And the next thing you know, the church is all broken up because of anger and wrath. You know, and this is something we want to be very careful of as we go forward. You know, Paul is saying, pray, hands lifted up in surrender without anger, without provoking one another another place is going to tell us we're to provoke to another to love you know if we're going to provoke somebody let's do it for some a good reason let's provoke them to love and to edification and to building up because this is so important for us to be able to look at and you know it's kind of amazing uh, I, had a, I had a wonderful day yesterday here at the church at home and and all around times, you know, so this is not coming out of this, guys. This is the next verse of the Bible, uh, you know, but, you know, anger has been something that Satan has used for years to cause problems. Cain and Abel go before God to give a sacrifice. God doesn't accept Abel's, uh, Cain's sacrifice because it was the works of his hands. Cain gets so mad at his brother, he kills his brother. How often, if we, maybe not physically killed somebody but verbally killed somebody because our anger exploded usually because we didn't get our own way Cain got mad at his brother because his brother did things God's way he didn't do it God's way and God said no I'm not taking yours and he kills his brother literally kills his brother how often have we killed a brother or sister in our anger because they seem to get accepted and we didn't get accepted by God. Something was right and not, you know, to them and not to us. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful about how we spend time on this and really learn to love one another, to, to, to build one another up. And I know normally we go into a singing time, but I think today I want to challenge the church. For about five minutes or so, I would like us to just go into prayer individually. If you wanna come up front and kneel, I don't care, kneel at the pew. I really want to see us go before God in prayer, and just pray to God. Whatever He puts on your heart, I will do it for only five minutes because there are some people that think, will think that five minutes is going to be an eternity. Uh, you know, it was said back in the 1700s. There's going to come a time when people will not be able to pray for 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 an hour. We're in that time that we can't pray for an hour, and at that time they were they were concerned that people were slipping into just an hour for of prayer. You know. But I want to take just a few minutes and pray. So and then I'll close in prayer.